Hi, and welcome to episode 172 of No Crying in Baseball, the We Need a Snow Day episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. That is such an ironic thing because there's so much snow outside. There's hardly any snow. There's like two inches of snow. All right. I know. You're from Boston. I'm from Cleveland. This is not (laughs) snow. This is a dusting. It's it's DC snow wise though this is an event and the 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 streets are slippery it's supposed to keep going overnight so in a normal year I would have a snow day tomorrow I would not have to work tomorrow but alas the school system has already informed us suck it up cupcake you have got to teach virtually despite the weather outside yeah. And, you know, I kind of think that kids and teachers deserve a snow day, even if it's not about, you know, it's hard to get to school because y'all need a little mental health break. And it's the ritual about it, I think. Like, I feel really bad for parents who have kids at home because it's just they must be so bummed up. There's that, you know, is it going to snow and put the spoon under your pillow or whatever the stuff is? Uh, Pajamas inside days. out, ice cubes down the toilet. There are so many yeah. things to do and none of them are going to matter. And, you know, I, I work for city government and so we follow whatever the federal government does. And, mm-hmm. you know everybody's working from home there too. So nothing's going to happen for me. I'm, I'm looking at my house saying I could do with a day off to kind of get a couple things done. Um, but no, no, I'll be working hard from the same chair. <laughs> well, the scary thing is, is this what's going to happen in the future? There's been a lot of comment about in the future when we are post plague, things still working this way, like no more snow days, you just work at home or s- snow days for school, you just school virtually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves because, you know, (laughs) don't worry. There's still a lot of plague between now and then. (laughs) That's right. That's right. The the weather will be much better when the plague is over. Uh, We didn't even have enough snow for me to go sledding the way that I do down my own driveway, but you know, it's all right. (laughs) At this point, you know, this is the most snow we've had in two years, which is kind of pathetic. There might be some climate change happening. I don't know. I've heard a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer because you're right. It's not a lot, but it's enough to look pretty. It looks pretty for a little while. It does look pretty. It does look pretty. Hey, so on today's show, women continue to rock the sports world and we're happy about that. We've got some hot stove news with Nolan Arenado and JT Realmuto. There is no new Hall of Fame this year. Fascinating. We've got anti-vaxxers getting in the way at Dodger Stadium. We've got boyfriends for the Blue Jays and the Reds. And we've got excitement in winter ball. Woohoo! Let's start with the hot stove. So the biggest news this week um, that came across, I don't know, mine, maybe your your uh, your view this week. Nolan Arenado is going to the Cardinals. Nolan Arenado plus like $50 million. I mean, if you're going to pay me to take Nolan Arenado, I'm going to take him. <laughs> right. I mean, this yeah. is this is nutty. And, you know, I think he's going to be happy to go because he's been trying to get out of the Rockies for a while now. Because when he signed his fantastic, you know, um, long-term extension with the Rockies, he was under the impression that they were going to build around him and then attempt to win. But then they never did. And so he hasn't been to the playoffs in a good long time. And so with the Cardinals, that looks like he's got a better chance there. He can hang out with Goldie and with with Adam Wainwright and, you know, the guys. So there's a chance there for him. So my um, my former boyfriend, JT Realmuto, just signed an extension with the Phillies. Thank God. Five years, $115.5 million, which is the largest deal ever for a catcher. So, wow. um, yeah. So that's good. There's a there were there was certainly quite the campaign, including from his let's say his coworkers to keep him as a Philly. So that's kind of that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely good for him. And I know that there have been some other Phillies who have been cheering that on. I think McCutcheon tweeted something about it. Bryce was way into it. Yep, the gang, the gang. Hey, so weird that we usually this would be the week that we would tell you who got elected to the Hall of Fame. This election series was fraught. I mean, I know the presidential election was fraught, but you thought you think the Hall of Fame would be an easy one. But no, also fraught. This is the first time since 2013 and the fourth time in 50 years where no one has been elected to a new class in the Hall of Fame. To get that way, you have to get to to be elected to the Hall of Fame. You have to get at least 75 percent of the votes cast. Nobody did. Part of the reason for that is the voters are taking character into account in a way they maybe hadn't before. And there's a lot of conversation about that because the rules, the eligibility for the Hall of Fame 
isn't really that specific about character, but it does kind of allude to it. But also things that people are being judged on now, people who are already in the Hall of Fame were not judged on those things. Right, right. So it doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at people that way now. I'm looking at you, Omar, former love of my life, right? Mm-hmm. So these these accusations come to light, these you know, proven things, conjecture, all a whole range of things come to light, political opinions conspiracy theory spewingness all of those things which other people who have been successfully elected may have also done and that wasn't addressed then so a lot of conversation this year was this is crap this whole thing is crap so kurt schilling who actually made made ground this year but still didn't get in has one more year where he would be qualified to be on the ballot and he requested to come off the ballot but the baseball writers said you don't have a say in that you don't because (laughs) there are rules for what puts you on the ballot. And there are rules for when you come off the ballot. If you don't reach a threshold of votes, you fall off. You, you know, you get on after a certain number of years being out of the, out of the sport. He doesn't want to go through the dragging over the coals that he's been going through. Um, You know, in my head, I was dragging him over the coals, but I don't get a vote. So I wasn't doing it publicly. So I can get why he wouldn't want more of that, but also it isn't up to him. Should it be? Should you be able to remove your name? I don't know. What I'm terrified about is that they're going to fucking vote him in next year. He has one more shot. He has one more shot. Yep. And, and and the other depressing as fuck thing about this is he got like, what, 71%? I didn't write it down, but I think he got either 70 or 71% of the vote. So there are that many baseball writers who think it's perfectly fine to put in this asshole who, I mean, you know, most recently he added fuel to the fire with the whole insurrection business, but he's been phobic of everything. You know, he's done, it's explicitly offensive to many different groups of people, tweets and his positions in articles. It's just, it's out there so clearly. And that 71% of baseball writers think that's not a big deal. We, we can put this guy in, you know, even even though character wasn't like you're saying, wasn't um, examined in the same way before. This is pretty egregious. We don't have to say that that's OK. It is. And he's come out and said, well, you know, if I was like supporting Bernie Sanders, I would be in already. He's such a dick. He's such a dick. Right. It's, right. That's absolutely true. He's a dick. Next year, we've got A-Rod's first year. So then the whole PED conversation is <laughs> right. starting all over again, where clearly we have people who are PED users that are, have yep. been elected in the past. How is this going to sit next year when it's fresh again, right? When it all comes right. back to the top. Well, even David Ortiz, you know, who David Ortiz, right. less of an involvement than A-Rod. Like, I think there is definitely a degree of PED stuff with A-Rod that's a little bit over the top because he was like a pusher kind of, you know, the whole biogenesis thing. But but I don't know. I mean, wh- where does the line get drawn is going to happen. And also, I, I honestly think so. Big Poppy's going to get more of the benefit of the doubt because he's mm-hmm. likable to everybody. Right. Whereas A-Rod, people are like are split on him like they are on cilantro, right. man. I mean, you either love him or you <laughs> hate him. Right. And I, that's that's yeah. where it is. And so I think it's he's going to be more of a lightning rod for that than Big Poppy, even though if you're just checking right. a box on did they or didn't they they'd be in the same camp. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's not cut and dried in any way. No. And the shilling thing is painful because yes, you know, it was really nice to be a Red Sox fan in 2004 when he played a huge fucking part of them finally winning the world series. And at that moment, I had no clue what kind of person he was. I just knew he like he had a bloody sock and he won the game, but now I it's horrible to have to like balance those two images of this super, super happy, ecstatic time for Red Sox fandom and this dickhead who just keeps saying stupider and stupider shit publicly. But also he says he if he does go into the um the Hall of Fame, which he says he no matter what happens, he's just staying away from it next year, but we'll see, you know. But mm-hmm. he said he wouldn't go in as a Red Sox anyway. He doesn't want to do that. Like, Good. I don't want him. Right. See, how about that? Can we talk about happy sports news? Let's talk about happy sports news. How about women who are apparently are less jerky in general? 
Yeah, you know, I think that is definitely a good uh, advertisement plus for continuing to have women in sports because, yes, less jerky in general. I would say that that's a really good byline. We have another first. And, you know, getting all these firsts out of the way is sort of like how we're going through it. You know, it's a first so that there are going to be many after them. Sarah Goodrum, another first. She's the first woman to have the title as a minor league hitting coordinator. And she got that job from the Brewers. It was just announced this week, um, Tuesday, but she's actually been in the job since October, which I found really interesting. It just That's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just that the Brewers recently, they just recently put out their list of coaches and or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, not just coaches, but different positions in the organization. And it was just one of them. And so I guess they just didn't announce it. Maybe they didn't think it was going to be such a big deal. Um, and, And it's interesting because one thing that she has said in interviews is that it, it isn't as much of a big deal to the guys coming up now. And, and the interesting quote was that they don't care if you're a man or a woman, if you can provide them with guidance that's going to help them accomplish their dream of making it to the big leaves, leagues, they don't care. So I am hopeful that that means that younger players coming in are just, you know, looking at her as somebody who's helping them with their batting. And if they're going to get better, they're going to get better. She has a really impressive background, but damn, she's young. I mean, she graduated college in 2015. That's not that long ago from University of Oregon, where she played Division I softball. And in her four years there, they went to the College World Series three times, her freshman year, junior year, and senior year. So she knows her shit. And then she went on to get her master's in exercise and sports science from the University of Utah. And here's that little memo to all of our college friend people out there. Internships, baby, like get that internship. You get your foot in the door as an intern and then positions open up if you're doing well. And that sounds like that's what she did getting into the Brewers as an intern somewhere in 2017 and then got a promotion to coordinator of integrative sports performance, whatever that means. And then from there, she got to be hitting coordinator. It's interesting that she was, this happened in October that she was named. And when was Kim Ang? It's since then, right? November, uh, December. It's all like, I, I should have right around then. Yeah, I don't know. Because it happened after, I think it happened after Sarah Goodrum got her her position because she said that she first started to actually process the importance of it when Kim, and when she heard about Kim Ng. And when she got hired, she thought, wow, this is, there's finally somebody who I could really, truly look up to. Like, look at what women are doing. I have all these options for my future. You know, it's like what we were talking about with Bianca Smith with the Red Sox. She's already saying, yeah, I'm going to be a GM someday. So just that we have yet another woman, another young, talented, capable woman getting into a position of respect from players and seeing that her future is bright. So I'm psyched to see what happens with these women and the others that are coming right along. That's right. This is absolutely the, if you can see it, you can be it, right? If, if you see somebody else doing that job, there is no reason for you to think you can't also get there. Somebody who looks like you can do it, you can do it too. It's a possibility for you. All right. I'm going to talk about anti-vaxxers because here's the thing. It is baseball related because number one, it happened at a baseball stadium. And number two, these jerks are trying to keep us from getting into the stands to watch baseball games. So here's why that's baseball related, right? So as we said before, Dodger Stadium is one of the ballparks being used as vaccination sites because they have lots of space. In this case, a huge parking lot. This is a drive-through vaccination situation here at Dodger Stadium. So they've been vaccinating 8,000 people a day at Dodger Stadium, which is fantastic, right? People can just drive right up. Um, This Saturday, so yesterday for us, we're recording on Sunday night, There were 50 protesters, maskless, of course, with giant signs about how this is all a, you know, a scam, shutting down. They were getting in in the way of these traffic lanes. So, you know, there were only 50 of them and there were thousands of cars, but still you put them in the right place and everything comes, came to a halt for an hour. And there was actually one of these protesters dressed as a cop and was directing traffic to send people away. 
directing traffic to send people out of the parking lot and on their way. Yet there were no arrests. I thought impersonating an officer what? was some level of an offense, not to mention the rest of this. So I don't know how that happened there. So oh there was about God. an That's hour crazy. delay of people getting stuck in their cars, but everybody who stayed got their vaccination. So they, they didn't have fewer vaccinations than they anticipated. It just took a lot longer because these jerks, man... And one of the important things about vaccines to sports is decisions about can fans be in the stands may be contingent upon the availability of vaccines for the general population. So, you know, get your shot in the arm when it's your turn, people, because if you want to ever go see a game again and you want any relative safety, you're going to need that little card with you that says, hey, I did this. That is crazy. That is super frustrating because I want to watch some baseball and I just can't imagine being those people who are stuck there. You know, people are going crazy trying to find how to get a vaccine like that. that they could have that many people lined up for it in L.A. is super impressive. But and right, and right now, it. people that are getting vaccinated are largely elderly people. Right. Like separate from say that the teachers, the healthcare workers, the, you know, essential workers, they're elderly. So, so people, some people interviewed in this article that I read had like their 80 some year old parents in the car oh, sitting there awful. for that extra hour. I'm sorry. That's not okay. Don't stop these people from getting the vaccine that they are choosing to get. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Cause we want some baseball. We want to see our baseball boyfriends. We're going to talk about baseball boyfriends. I love baseball boyfriends. <laughs> they're, they're, they're our, our heart and, and, uh, Heart and soul, no. Heart, heart, and, heart and hustle. Yeah, they're, they're our heart and hustle. That's that's totally it. Yeah, these guys that we talk about every week, we each pick one per team. We do one AL team a week and one NL team a week, and that's how we spend our off season. And we like them because of something beyond the field. Like ideally, they're good players, but what's even more important is that there's that special spark that makes us think like, ah, I want to hang out and have a beer with this guy. So my theme of the week is that both of my players debuted in 2020, which is not a great year to have a debut, honestly, because of the shortened season and everything being so fucked up with stats. But they both did it and at sort of different ends of the, their careers. Uh, I'm going to start out with the Blue Jays with Santiago Espinal, second base, sort of, maybe shortstop, 26 years old. Uh, he's definitely going to be utility this year because of a certain acquisition that I think you're going to talk about in a little while. I am. And, and so, so who knows where he's going to show up, but I want to give a shout out and a big thank you to Patrick Melbourne who helped me with this pick. And uh, remember that name because Patrick's going to be a famous sportscaster someday. Mark my word. So he, Santiago born in the Dominican Republic, moved to Florida as a teenager, depending on which article you look at, he was either 12 or 13 and then had to go to high school and learn English. And I am a teacher of kids about that age who come from other countries and have to get here and learn English. And it's not an easy thing. And Santiago apparently struggled with it, excelled at the baseball. And he was living in Florida and I couldn't figure out who he was living with when he first came, but he struggled with the academics. So he actually went to New York to be with his mom. And again, I didn't do enough of the poking around to figure out what was happening with the family dynamics, but his mom was in New York. He finished high school online without playing baseball for what? two years. Yeah. For two years? So, yeah. After he had been doing well in Florida. Then he went back down to Florida to Seminole State paying, which was not easy for his family, to get into college enough to play baseball, to get noticed. He was noticed by Di Miami-Dade University and offered a scholarship. So to be able to get into a college and play to that level to get noticed, to get a scholarship, that's some serious drive. That's some serious baseball boyfriend qualifications. The other thing that totally sold me on him, well, there's a lot that sold me on him, but he was drafted by the Red Sox. So I got all excited when I was like, oh, it, I mean, Patrick <laughs> told me about this guy. I look, I was like, hey, look at all that Red Sox in there. All right, this should be my guy. I didn't even realize at that time that what brought him to Toronto in 2018 was the Steve Pierce deal, which is a big fucking deal to Red Sox fans because Steve, Steve Pierce in 2018 went on to be the MVP of the World Series for the Red Sox, made a huge difference in, in that championship. 
So just to be, to have that connection was another like, all right, this is meant to be. So who, so I had to think, you know, who, who do the Toronto Blue Jays get for Steve Pierce? He, um, did pretty well in the minors for the Jays, including a really impressive stealing home for a 10th inning win when he was with the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Super fun video play to watch. He ended up coming up in 20, like I said, and just played 26 games, but had a 263 average and 641 OPS. So did pretty well for, a, it's, it's a small sample, but I have high hopes for him, especially because of his versatility. He said, he basically he'll play anywhere. He said, I feel comfortable playing any position wherever they want me to be to help the team win a World Series. I'm here for it. And in the minors, he played all over the infield, second base, short, third, and actually 12 games in the outfield. When he was up with, uh, with the Blue Jays, though, last season, he pretty much just played short except for a couple of pitching outings, which is, you know, just a super fun thing to see. I mean, it's, (laughs) you know, it's always in the light of a blowout. So there's that part of it. But he pitched on September 11th of 2020, a blowout against the Mets. They were Mets were beating them 17 to one. These must have just been wild games to watch. Feels like CPBL a little bit. So in the ninth inning, he hit Pete Alonso. Hey, 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 hey. I I really don't think he meant to. And apparently like that showing was good enough that they put him back on the mound a few days later (laughs) against the Yankees in a similar blowout. And I didn't write down the score for that. I'm pretty sure it was 20 something to smaller than that. And he, his first pitch, he gave up a home run to DJ LeMayhew. And the COVID situation before 2020 he spent the time with Bo Bichette. I love Bo Bichette. <laughs> yeah, your guy. That that was your baseball boyfriend from last year. So they, they spent the shutdown together. And Bo, as you told us, if anybody wants to go back to our Bo Bichette episode, his dad, Dante Bichette, MLB player, helped both of them during that time as far as training, not just physically, but also he, he especially, especially referred to the mental part of it. And that is such an important component. So on on a difficult note, his mom died of cancer the the winter before his debut. So she died in, in December of 2019 at age 52. So that hurts a lot to hear for, you know, for a bunch of reasons. And The summer before, when he was playing in the minors and she was going through treatment, he wanted to go home. He wanted to be with her. And she told him, no, stay, play, come at the end. And he even said that when when he came back at the end of the season, I gave her the biggest hug. And so, you know, he's a kid, you know, really, you know, 20, what, 25 at the time. Such a hard thing to go through for anybody. And so coming up the next season and feeling like his mom wanted to do something special for his mom. So he actually customized a fielding glove in her honor with her favorite colors, pink and gray. And it was a embroidered mom on the outside. Love it. And then when there's a video and I think I linked it in our notes of right after his first hit, he said, this is for my mom. And then he also like turns to the camera and says, uh, this is for you, mom. And that's where your eyes just well up. So he's a sweet kid. He's been through a lot. He's got a good, you know, family connection. He just seems like a really good guy. He grew up actually an Aguilas fan. That's the team that I'll be talking about in a short time, who is now in the Car- the Caribbean series. But he actually played for the Estrellas Orientales when he played in the Dominican Republic most recently in 2019. So he did not play in this past offseason. But I'm really excited to see what Santiago Espinal is going to do. You know, this is, I feel like this should be, maybe it must count as his rookie season. Hmm. That'll be because he only played 26 last year, right? Probably does. I bet we did the math last uh, a couple a couple uh, episodes ago. We figured yeah. out what the actual math was, but I think that probably does qualify. So yay, so cool. yay. So um, the problem's going to be that my guy might um hold your guy back a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So my theme apparently is copycatting on potty mouths position choices <laughs> on both teams. As it turns oh, out, nice. I didn't do it on purpose, but I it actually did work out that way. 
for the Blue Jays, I picked a boyfriend that I was really considering picking for Oakland when we get to Oakland. But no, Marcus Simeon got signed just this week for yeah. a one-year contract, $18 million with the Blue Jays. So if I was going to pick him for the A's, I'm going to pick him for the Blue Jays too. Interestingly, he's you know short. he's been a shortstop for years with the A's. They want to move him to second base with the Blue Jays, sorry, Santiago. Um, but this is a little change for him. They're going to do a little reshuffling around the Blue Jays. What the Blue Jays have been doing is trying to pick a couple of veterans to pair up, to match up with their amazing cohort of young, exciting players to provide mm-hmm. a little bit of leadership and provide a little bit of like, just, just what you get for, for being a veteran, just that feel, just that knowledge to help bring these guys up. Cause these guys are all good, but they're still not quite seasoned yet. But they're still a little bit new, but they've got so much potential. And the blue Jays now they signed Springer, they signed Simeon. They are competing this year. They are seriously yeah. competing. So uh, Marcus Simeon is 30 years old, right? The A's. So he's, this broke a lot of hearts, not just in Oakland, but on the team itself, right? The A's offered Marcus Simeon a $12.5 million one-year contract with 10 of those million dollars deferred to 10 one-year installments of a million dollars each. That seems excessive. That's just whack. That's not, yeah. So what's he going to do? I mean, so here's, so the, his teammates from the A's are really sad because the thing that the Blue Jays are bringing him on to do, he did with the A's. He was the clubhouse guy. He provided the leadership. He was sort of the team dad, right? And he's – so a lot of the players on Oakland feel like they're losing their team dad, right? So, I mean, he's only Aww. 30, but still he was that guy who provided that leadership and kind of – like taught the younger guys like he was the guy who wasn't named matt right who was like the welcome guy right to kind of bring everybody in and to to build that community right and community is really important to him which we're going to get to in just a second so he was drafted in 2011 by the white Sox out of uc berkeley uc berkeley is very important to the simeon family his parents met as freshmen well actually they met before that um he was his parents were freshmen when he was born. Oh. So uh, interestingly, a fun fact, his mom lived in a specific dorm on campus at UC Berkeley while pregnant with him. And that was the dorm he moved into as a freshman. So he said, I've lived here twice. That is adorable. Oh my <laughs> God. That's a great story. He met his wife, Tara, at UC Berkeley. Okay. He's a hometown huh. guy, right? So when... The A's picked him up when this trade with the White Sox in December of 2014, he was coming home. And what he said was, you know, kids in my neighborhood dreamed of playing for the A's because that's our team. And now yeah. I get to do that. I get to be that kid who made that dream come true. So he, he Oakland is his home. Like he doesn't have like this, you know, off season home someplace, sunny. He lives there. He's they're bringing up their two sons, Isaiah and Joshua. I think two really good biblical names, some good Old Testament names. <laughs> but so I'm going to talk to you more about um, not so much the skill level, which you're probably already aware of, but the um, the things that are just really special about Marcus Simeon. So he and his wife Tara, during the beginning of the um, the shutdown, really, they provided meals for. BART and for the bus drivers. So all the public transportation, because those folks had to keep working and they were a little bit overlooked, right? People are like feeding the healthcare workers and the, like the frontline, you know, like the police and the firemen and all that stuff. And they said, you know what, you know who else? And so they took care of those folks. Plus also the ER at the hospital where their kids were born. That was the other place that they, they provided meals. And the way they did it was they paid restaurants to cook the meals. So they were, did their part to try to keep those restaurants in business at the same time. Those meals were going to these workers. So he's kind of thinking the whole way through. He's also very active with the players Alliance, which is almost a, please check this box 
anymore Mm -hmm. when we look at boyfriends in a lot of cases. Um, We joked about Heart and Hustle a little while ago. That's the award that we call the Boyfriend Award. He's won it twice with the A's, 2016 and 2019. He was third in the American League MVP voting in 2019 behind Mike Trout and Alex Bregman. You may have heard of those guys. So he's, you know, (laughs) he's got the chops. There's another award that I just learned about that I really liked for, for the A's specifically, which is the Catfish Hunter Award that he got in 2019 and it goes to an ace player every year. And I'm going to quote this, whose play on the field and conduct in the clubhouse best exemplifies the courageous, competitive and inspirational spirit demonstrated by the late hall of fame pitcher, Jim Catfish Hunter. So that I think is pretty cool. That's almost like a boyfriend award as far as we are concerned. So he is the only member of his um, UC Berkeley family who hasn't finished his degree because, you know, the draft is junior year of college, right? Mm -hmm. So he's talking about wanting to do that one day. And he had actually said in an interview that was um, this spring that if they didn't go back to play this summer, that's how he would be spending his time. They did go back to play. So, but, you know, while he was at school, the baseball program was almost cut at UC Berkeley, and yet they went to the College World Series. So go figure. And um, and this is how um, he's bringing up his baseball family. His oldest son is three, and he makes jokes about doing batting practice with the kid, you know, when they're at home. But also they watch highlights of Matt Chapman together. My my other, my, my, you know, previous boyfriend with the A's with his son. He's like, look, look how good this guy is. Check out this third baseman. Look what he can do. So I think that's really great. And so I'm very, um, very impressed with the character, also the play. I mean, he's a gold, gold glove finalist a couple times over at shortstop. Let's see what he can do at second base. And let's hope this, um, this leadership, this clubhouse leadership continues. And also this love of community. I think he can bring a lot of that with him when he goes to Toronto as well. So fingers crossed for a healthy, happy year with the Blue Jays for Marcus Simeon. And it looks like the Blue Jays are really going for it. They've got a really good team put together. And, uh, you know, as somebody whose who's home team is AL East, I'm a little, a little nervous about all this competition <laughs> out there. So we'll see. But we are on to the National League with the Reds. And I am going with Shogo. Shogo Akiyama, an outfielder, probably center fielder, who's 32 years old. And you know what? Showtime is showtime, be it with the Angels or be it now with the Reds. It is showtime. He is coming over from Japan and it was a big deal, which I told, I don't know how I missed this story last year, but he was apparently being courted because he was a long time excellent player in the NB, NPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League. He played for the Cebu Lions, and he was the third pick in the 2010 draft for them. And in 2015, he set the NPB record for hits in a season. So he is one of those like beyond stellar players. From 15 to 19, he was an NPB All-Star every year and Gold Glove every year, plus another Gold Glove year earlier. So six years Gold Glove total. He played on the World Baseball Classic for Japan in 2017. So overall, over those nine years, 10 years, I can't do math on the fly. In the in the NPB, he played over two, 1,207 games. That number I do have. His average was 301. And then he decides to become a free agent. There was no posting needed because it was at the end of his contract, apparently. And he decided it was at the time to come to MLB. I was trying to look up his stats in the NPB. And it was this great page that you could click, like, what language do you want? And I, of course, clicked English because my Japanese not so good. And it, <laughs> and, and it, and it changed all the, the stats. Like, I understood, you know, hit and average and OPB. And then there was literally one that they translated as science fiction. So I didn't spend no enough way. time to figure out. Yeah, it was hysterical. It was like one of the titles of one of the stats. So I would love stat? to know. I don't know. He has 22 of them. That's all I know. He has 22 science fictions, apparently. <laughs> so 
I don't know. Go figure. There was one article that I said that referred to him not missing a game. And I thought, is that not missing a game ever? But apparently he has good attendance, which me as a teacher, that's very important. <laughs> I, I'm, I totally appreciate the guys with good attendance. He sounds, he seems like a, like a reliable, hopefully reliable guy, consistent hitter, more into the line drives than the out of the park, get in on base. And he has speed once he's on the bases. So after all this, he goes into free agent. He's being courted. He fractured his foot, but like he fractured his second to baby toe during the WS, WBSC premiere. It's, it's, I don't know how he did that, but apparently it was small. That toe? <laughs> he, I, and how do you hurt it? Like, what did he do? I don't right? know. Playing baseball, he hurt that little toe and it, it almost screwed up his stuff because that's right when you know, he was he was trying to get interviews and things like that. Apparently, it went okay in the 19 winter meetings. He still did get a, a lot of those, you know, shiny packages like we've talked about with uh, Shohei Otani, the other show, and all the teams courting him. And the Reds just outdid themselves. And apparently, they consulted with the Japan America Society of Greater Cincinnati. So you as an Ohio girl, did you know about this organization? Uh, no, but I promise I'll look it up next time I'm in Cincinnati. <laughs> so apparently they're a thing in Cincinnati. And one of the board members was a former high school player when he was in Japan, came here for college, didn't continue with the baseball, but was able to make that, you know, sort of personal connection, which is really important. And we've talked about that with foreign players before coming to settle and wanting to be in a community where there are other people that, you know, especially for raising a family and he's got two little kids. So the the other thing that attracted him about the Reds, and this is fascinating, that they were the only MLB team never to have signed a Japanese-born player. So he knew that by signing with the Reds, he would be making history. And he thought that that was pretty good history to make. And he said that he was very inspired, this is a quote, by their passion to how much they really wanted me. I wanted to respond to that. That's why I chose the Reds. So we got in on a three-year, $21 million deal, which includes a lot of perks for the out-of-towners, including a translator, English lessons. And I'm thinking, damn, I got to go for those jobs. Again, got to be this right. out there. Personal trainer, you know, stuff. And he had a friend during COVID break too. I guess I have a double theme for today. He hung out with Kente Mieta, who was, I know from the Dodgers, but I guess is with the twins now and, and hung out with him and trained during that COVID time. Uh, so this is the the premiere, like I said, my theme this week, and he's, his debut is 2020. He had a rough adjustment. And we've noticed this a lot with especially Japanese players. It's a very different style. And one thing, Bobby Valentine, our favorite Mets um, mustache <laughs> guy slash Red Sox manager who tanked us in a year. But besides that, love Bobby Valentine. He commented that in the MP NPB, that there's because there's only two leagues with six teams, it's easier to learn the pitchers, like to be really familiar with every pitcher. And so that's an adjustment with coming to MLB. And the other thing is that where he played in Japan was just turf. So he's adjusting to maybe grass. I don't know. But he had a rough beginning. And again, last year was a fucked up season. So July and August, his average was 196. But he brought that up to 317 in September, October, the little bit of October that they had. The outfield is a crowded place, as I'm sure you're going to be talking about in a moment <laughs> for the Reds. And you've got guys out there. Nick Senzel, I guess, like ripped it up last year. So there's some competition, especially for center field. You know, the guy who can cover the most ground out there. Uh, on idols, of course, he's going to be talking about Ichiro. And he said that he has worked hard to be as much like him. He was my inspiration. So I'm going to go with, with Shogo <laughs> for my Reds guy. And there's, there's just so much to love about him. He has a, a wife and two young sons, ages three and five, that's going to be putting down some roots in Cincinnati. And his walk-up song, you've got to listen to. I really think it's kind of like a Japanese Ramones thing. It's at least the album cover reminds me of that. So it's a good walk Excellent. up song. Yeah. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So the Reds are in this division that is getting a lot of play right now for not trying very hard. Oh, yeah. Right? The, 
the NL cent Central is like um, there, you know, the word collusion has been tossed around very casually by, you know, these teams just not not spending any money, not staffing up. But these teams have some guys, right? And so the Reds haven't made some moves, but the guys they have are pretty good. They're mm -hmm. pretty good. So let's see. Let's see what happens. So um, I picked Jesse Winker, who I had never heard of until this past summer when I saw a lot of clips from Reds games. And interestingly, a lot of the articles that I read about him kept referring to him as like that guy that you never heard of. Right. Yeah. Like, so he's like this reliably good pitcher, but he just always seems to be coming out of nowhere. Like he's not Wait, this flashy. Pitcher? I'm sorry. No, hitter. Hitter. Oh, well, the other end, the other end. I was going to say, boy, that's some talent. Let's stop for a second and say, what are you drinking? Because I'm, I'm two thirds <laughs> of the way through a vanilla latte chronicle, which is one of oh. my favorite beers from Silver Branch. And it's, um, I think it's, you know, if it's not high alcohol, it tastes like it's high alcohol. And I do love it. And that may be why I'm saying pitcher instead of hitter. I need to put in an order for that. I, I need some villain. That's such good stuff. It's so good. And, you know, it is a coffee thing. So this might, might keep me up all night. Who oh. knows? Anyway, so when Potty Mouth described how we choose our boyfriends, <laughs> one of the things, speaking of what are you drinking, is somebody we'd want to have a beer with. And honest to God, that is exactly why I picked Jesse Winker. I watched interviews with him. I watched clips of him playing and he's kind of hilarious. And he has this like joy of life and like embracing the fun of baseball. And he's very quick witted. And I appreciate wordplay. I appreciate the guys that are like fast on their feet with the comebacks. And I totally want to have a beer with Jesse Winker. His nickname from Sonny Gray is Lil Winky. <laughs> Which is also hilarious because it's not a little guy, you know, but so, so cool. Lil Winky is pretty good. So you had a guy, your um, Blue Jays guy, you said was started in Florida and moved to New York. Right. Well, Lil Winky was born in Buffalo and then moved to Orlando <laughs> when he was seven. <laughs> but he lived in Buffalo long enough for that to be his hometown. And so he's a big Bills fan. So I'm sorry that he's recently disappointed, but mm -hmm. um but he still has a lot of loyalty to the Bills, which, you know, I, I appreciate loyalty to a team. You know, you got to love that, especially if it's not even your sport, but you still feel good about that. So he was drafted um, out of high school by the Reds in 2012. He was had committed to the University of Florida and said, eh, you know what, I can go to the Reds right now. So I'm going to go to the Reds right now. And he debuted in April of 2017. And then he had a hip problem in 2017 and a shoulder problem in 2018 and a neck problem in 2019. So he didn't have any full healthy seasons since his debut. So this shortened season this past year was really the first time where he played all the time. Wow. And it was a short season, but he still was healthy for the whole thing. Now this was the year you remember there was a universal DH and he was that guy for the Reds. He's a left fielder. And actually, Shogo had been in left field quite a bit. He's been moved around. And mm -hmm. so this year, there's probably not going to be the universal DH. The union has, has slapped that down for now. Things could change because the whole agreement hasn't been settled yet. But if not, then Jesse's back to left field instead of DHing. But he's much more known for his bat than he is from his glove. Although in this this past season, he improved in every defensive category. So I think he knows, you know, I can't live or die by the DH. My glove has to come into play. So he has been working on it because if he's out there, he wants to be able to help his team. Let me tell you what's fun about this guy. So in addition to just, you know, being kind of hilarious in general, he trolled the Mets big time <laughs> over a series that I, I mean, you know, this year I'm starting to find the Mets endearing, but you know, they're also the enemy of Nats. So I have right. to like not love them, but in, in one weekend series between the Reds and the Mets, he finished the game with a home run once and like waved to all of city field. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you for coming. Right. And the next night made this spectacular diving catch, which ended the game. And wave to everybody. Bye. See ya. Bye. 
And that then, is perfect. The next night, did he get ejected? I think he might have gotten, he had a, he, yeah, he must have gotten ejected. I don't know if it, that was when he was like arguing um, balls and strikes or something. But so he was walking off the field and all the Mets fans waved goodbye to him. <laughs> and that just makes me so happy. It's like, yeah. let's embrace this. This is hilarious. This is super fun, right? So actually, that just would have been in 2019 because, you know, no fans, fans. in the stands this past year. But you you knew all of that. So also, he um, did get ejected this past year for one of the kerfuffles with um, with the Cubs when the Reds Ooh. and the Cubs got out. He had a one-day suspension for, you know, a bench-clearing conversation. Shouldn't have left that <laughs> bench, right? As we mentioned before, a lot of players in the offseason go to their, their sunny, warm homes, not the, the, the city that they play for. And Jesse Winker has one of those now, but the, last year, the before the 2020 season, he decided to stay in Cincinnati during the off season and hang out in the community, which I appreciate. And one of the things that he did was he spent a lot of time at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And some of the things were like the the big showy things, like I'm throwing a pizza party for these kids. You know, I'm doing this high, you know, kind of look at me, but whatever. But anyway, your name's on it. But also, I guess in between these showy things, he just went on his own to meet kids and hang out with them without like the cameras running and, you know, the social media and all of those things happening. He also is really involved in the Reds Youth Academy. So he helps run some of their, their clinics and all of that. And the ones that he's involved in are some of the, some like the, the best attended ones because he's sort of Mr. Personality, but also sometimes he just shows up on a Saturday and says, what can I do to help? And I like that about him. And one of the stories, the story I read about one of the, um, the the bigger events at Children's Hospital, his dad came along to participate. And it basically just kind of like stood by and just beamed watching his kid do this stuff. And he said, this is how, you know, his mom raised him. You know, he and his brothers, it's like, it, it's important to give back. And his dad called it a privilege that comes with the job. Giving back is a privilege. And that's how he's treating it. And so I just think he's a good guy. Now, so what you, you look at this guy, and he was a really streaky hitter, right? He had a lot of multi-home run games. He had little slumps. He has a big honk of bat, and he's had some of the longest home runs for the Reds. He has that look, you know, when he wears that red ball cap that you might worry that it says MAGA on it or something. But oh, no, no, it says Reds. It says Reds. Right. And I couldn't find any evidence to the contrary. So I'm hoping the other shoe doesn't drop sometime. Because there wasn't, you know, there he doesn't have a big social media presence or anything. So I couldn't do any of that. But what I read about him and what I watched in these interviews and what I listened to on these podcasts, I really enjoy this guy. And I absolutely want to have a beer with him. And boy, would it be fun for both of us to have a beer with him one day. So, you know, if we ever get to travel and drink beer in the same room again one day, I say we invite Jesse Winker. Yeah. Well, if he's spending his off seasons in Cincinnati, you've got some people that he could like, you know, stay with, visit. Right? I got people. I got, got people. people. All right. Now, next week we have. Oh, next week we have. Gosh, next week we have the Yankees and oh, we have boy. the Marlins. So we have the evil empire and the, the bottom feeders. So it's going to be fun. It'll be super fun. Well, let's can we can we both choose Kimang for the Marlins? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, of course wow. we can. All right. Of course we can. Although, yeah. Yes. Well, we'll see what we pull out. We'll see what we pull out of the bottom feeders. <laughs> I still want a Kim Ng jersey, and I don't know if they made those yet. Oh, right. Like an actual jersey with an actual jersey back. with. Yep. Yep. All right. <sighs> All right. Hey, how about some winter ball? How about been watching going? baseball like crazy? Yeah, today. And you know what? I just wanted to click over right now and check the score. All right. It is still going on. The Serie del Caribe started today. It is still going on. Hopefully, when you hear this midweek, it's going to be going on all this week. Shoot, I didn't write down the end day, but the, it's it's like a week-long thing. And today is Sunday the 31st. And it was the first day. And I watched the beginning of it. And it was super fun. So I'll go through the teams just one by one so that you know who is taking part in the Serie del Caribe. It's in um, Mazatlan, which always makes me think of the love boat. I feel like we should take them. But I swear to God, like all the teams uh, posting their travel pics on the way there were giving me a fucking nervous breakdown because I'm thinking, oh no, uh, it's we're in a pandemic, people. Like they're traveling, you know, like all these teams are traveling from different countries to Mazatlan, but I'm just, you know, hoping that everybody has been really careful and nothing bad will happen at all. That's, that's, that's what I'm pulling for. Uh, no Cuba, first of all. So last year when we talked about it, 
two years ago, Cuba was back in the the Caribbean series and had been for a couple of years. And then last year, because the Caribbean series was in Puerto Rico, they didn't get the visa for the Cubans, which is just a shitty U.S. move. And so I thought this year we're going to see Cuba back. And they're not. And it took me a while to dig up what happened. But if you'll recall this past year, MLB was going to make this big forward step to actually deal with Cubans one-on-one instead of people having to defect and go through Dominican Republic, these stories that we tell over and over. And the Trump administration squashed that. So apparently because there's still this tension between the <laughs> this continued tension with U.S. and Cuba, the leaders of the Caribbean series are not putting Cuba in until that until that tension is taken care of. So I'm hoping next year, I'm hoping with the new administration, things will get better. But right now we have six countries, starting with Dominican Republic. And we've been talking about the Lidam series, the Aguila Sibenas, who are the champs of the Lidam series. They, like we've talked about, what happens in all of these countries is once the country, the team in the country gets the championship, they get to put in reinforcements and pick you know, star players from the other teams, which adds to that, you know, they're representing the country, but still they go in as the team name. And that's really important too. So Lidam had brought in Jumbo Diaz, who is one of my faves from Le- Leonis del Escogido originally, a relief pitcher who has earned his name and he failed his COVID test. But he is Yikes. he was one of these, and it reminds me of the whole Juan Soto story. He was one of these who insists I didn't have any symptoms. Nothing was wrong. The team takes off. Today, I saw his Instagram. He was on a plane on the way to Mexico because he tested negative after that positive test. So I don't know if it was a false positive, but Jumbo Diaz is on his way. Um, Robinson Cano is there for the Dominican Republic and already made a big impression in the first game. And they're winning right now as I speak. Plus, Carlos Martinez, Sumname from the cards. He opened today. He pitched the first the first game for the Dominican Republic there. Johan Camargo, Jonathan Villar, Ronald Guzman. And the Dominican Republic is going into this as the winner. They have the most championships with 20 of the Serie de Calibre. Half of them were done by the Tigres de Lice. Um, the Aguilas have won a few. I'm not quite sure how many, but twice they did it in Mexico, which is where they are now. So go Aguilas. I think I just think they have a super fun team. I'm not totally convinced that they're the team that I'm pulling for. I'm, I, I probably should have made a choice right at the outset. But the Puerto Rican team is also looking super fun. Crios de Caguas. They have been the champs in Puerto Rico 16 times, which is the most out of Puerto Rican championships tied with the Indios de Mayagüez, who they just beat in the finals. The Criollos have won four times in Mexico. I didn't realize, especially as we were talking about Hank Aaron recently, that he played for the Criollos de Caguas. I did not know that. Yeah, he played the season before his MLB debut. Huh. So and and he was the all star of their MLV, MVP. Uh, sure, he was MVP of the all star game. I got that backwards. He was the MVP of the all star game that year. So more highlights from the Criollos are Yadier Molina is actually playing. I, I believe he is still not claimed by an MLB team. That's right. Good to know he's playing somewhere. <laughs> he is. And Luis Medina, who is the the baby Yankee, the upcoming prospect, hot prospect for the Yankees was pitching today, but apparently not doing as well as the tsunami. So something to be said for age. We'll just put it that way. Panama's in there, even though they didn't have a season. So Panama did not. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, they didn't, they didn't have a season, but they somehow qualified for this. You could just send a team. Apparently, if you're not Cuba, you can do that. Yeah. So Panama (laughs) has been in for the past two years. They won in 2019, which is the first year that they played. And that was the year that Venezuela had to bag out at the last minute as a host country because of this uprising and stuff. So Panama came in to save the day. They won that series. And they apparently are so well-loved that they get to play even though they did not have a home season. So they've kind of got this all-star team going that is wearing the the team name of the Federales de Chiriqui. 
And last year, the Astronautas de Chiriqui was my team. They won. Things got moved around. The Astronautas are now de los Santos, Federales, or Chiriqui, whatever. There's a bunch of Panamanians playing together. And one of them, and this is the most exciting part, actually, is Jonathan Arauz, who is a Red Sox player. And I am so, so regretting not having picked him as my Red Sox baseball boyfriend. Because remember, I was talking about the, him beforehand, and I really That's was right. going to pick him. He has great hair. He's just a fun-looking guy, but he just didn't quite do that well last year. Anyway, he is playing. He hit the first out of the series. So he was the first batter of the yeah. series first out, but he, then he went on to get two RBIs. And so I was tweeting about him and he liked my tweets. I, I, and, and I tweeted about him looking good crossing home plate because the hair, the, he's got the hair. And apparently he appreciates that. Look at you. So that was definitely your boyfriend next year. My highlight of the day, right? Come on, Jonathan, pull it together for the Red Sox this year. You will be my boyfriend next year. All right, there are a few more teams in there. There's Colombia, the Caimanes de Barranquilla. This is the second year Colombia has been in, the first for the Caimanes. Last year, the Colombian team went 0 for 5. So not sure what's going to be coming out of Colombia. We'll see. You never know. For Venezuela, it's the Caribes de Anzuategui, the best name to say. So I'm so glad that they made it in. They had swept the Cardinales de Lara, which was my team of choice oh, for yeah. Venezuela. Yeah, so they got the trip to the Serie, but the fun thing is, William Zastudio is playing. I watched him play today. He's fucking adorable, as is Jesus Sucre, who hit it out of the park. Unfortunately, they lost to Panama, which is pretty amazing. So Panama gets in with, like, not a team that has played together at all, not a team that has even played. And they This is their MO, man. This is their MO. This is like how they do. Go figure. Yeah. So, so sorry, Venezuela. They're they're being managed by Julio Franco, which I thought was another interesting little detail. The Mexican Liga Mexicana de Pacifica have the Tomateros de Culicán. Barely, they won Game Seven last night. The series, the Caribbean series, started today. So it's a good thing not only that it's in the same country, so they didn't have far, <laughs> that far to travel. But Mexico is pretty big. They're both West Coast. So it was like a 10-hour south drive. I'm sure they took a plane or whatever. But yeah, so they maybe, just made maybe. it. And they won in the 10th inning of Game 7. So like talk about coming down to the wire to make it into the Caribbean series. They want, They came to play. They wanted it bad. Yeah, I hate to say it. My team of choice was the one who had lost. But not in Caros de Hermosillo. So. I didn't have such a lucky year. But if you want to join me watching the Caribbean series, please do it. It's on ESPN Deportes, which I found out today you can also get as a Sling add-on because we have Sling, whatever that is. I don't know. Mr. Potty Mouth arranged it. You can get it for five bucks more, which is all you need. And it's actually way better than ESPN regular. They have right now their first woman doing play-by-play. God bless them. Carolina Guillen. There's a team of, I think, four play-by-play people, but she got the opening game and she's great. And she's great. And then there's a couple of color commentators who are former MLB players, Orlando Alduca Hernandez and Ismael Rocket Valdez. This is all West Coast time, so the last game starts at like 8, 11 p.m. for us. Ooh, so I'm not going to watch when the late games, but, you know, I'll watch, some, I'll watch some afternoon games. But you can also learn some Spanish terms, I'm guessing, for oh, absolutely. in baseball. I, I learned a few a couple years ago and I've forgotten all of them. except something about being like the gardener in the outfield. Yep. That's very Gard- good. Gardenero? Yeah, Gardner. yeah. Okay. Gardeneros are in the outfield, which literally means gardeners. Yeah, there's so so much fun fun stuff, and and they usually say things like a strike, so like you can follow a lot even if you're not up on those special words. Excellent. So now I've got to go check my um. I'm old, so I have cable, so I might actually have ESPN Deportes. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> there's a lot of ESPN on there that I'm paying for that I'm not using right now because they don't show women's sports very much at all. Mm-hmm. But hey. 
something that you can do this week coming up is watch women's hockey because it will be on the NBC Sports Network this coming week. And this will be the Isabel Cup finals and uh, semifinals and the finals this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so bad news for the National Women's Hockey League. They're, it's the six-team league. The Riveters, who are my team of choice for many years now, had to bow out because of COVID. They had a lot of people test positive. So they they took their pucks and went home. Wow. Um, so That's they had to redo sad. the schedule among five teams to finish mm-hmm. up in this bubble that they're doing in Lake Placid and reseed everything and all of that. So um, five teams still playing. So we'll see what happens this coming weekend. I'm hoping to get to watch a couple of those games. Did you get to watch any yet? I haven't watched any. I've been following them a lot. Toronto Six, they are hysterical on Twitter. So I'm very intrigued by checking them out. And I know that the Boston Pride were playing right now too, actually. So I wonder how they're doing. Yeah, the Toronto Six are the is the newest team as yep. part of this. So that they're definitely a lot of fun because they're like the new kids on the block. Yeah, yeah. And you can catch it on Twitch. So me who does not have cable, I think I was going to look at it that way. All right. All right. Hey, you know, in the old days, before the plague, Potty Mouth used to spend this time at the end of the show giving you the countdown to opening day. Oh, no. But we kind of don't know when the hell that is. Everything on the book says that spring training is going to start as scheduled. But there's a lot of open questions like, really, you're going to send people to Florida and Arizona? Is this really a good idea? Are we So the players union the players association and the league are still negotiating things like when are we really starting the players really want to play 162 games and they're open to starting late if they can then play later to get all of those games in so that's one of the bones of contention that's happening so we don't know we'd love to give you a countdown but who the hell knows to be continued to be continued so anyway so this week there's there's the caribbean series to watch there's women's hockey to watch. There's men's hockey to watch. There's sports, man. So enjoy your sports this week if you can do that. If you have snow where you are, and a lot of you do, go out and play. Build a snowman. Build a snow angel. Have a good time. I hope you get a snow day because we don't. Damn. Damn. Please feel free to listen to some back episodes or tell your friends about us if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. You can join us on social media. Talk to us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. And please wash your hands, wear your masks, watch your distance. And if it's your turn to get a vaccine, please get a vaccine. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Now I'm fucking covered in cat fur.